Oh. Well. Shall we descend into the hollow? All right, I'm going to go... What? Oh. Yeah, let me go close my window. Sure. Yeah, everyone, everyone take your... Drink drink your coffees. uh, Smoke them if you got them. Oh, that's a good idea. I did bring water today. Apparently, I already closed the window, so that's weird. Did you close the window when you fixed your coffee? Yeah. Probably. Weird. It's continuity, continuity error. error. Right. Uh, speaking of continuity errors, uh, hmm. Does anyone want to volunteer to kind of <laughs> bring the audience up to speed about what happened in the initial episode here with you two? Does anybody remember? Well, there's kind of a meanwhile thing going on, so I don't know if we want to, if one of us can. Oh, okay. Well, maybe both of us. I can. will. Yeah, I think you should do this one because <laughs> there is right, a lot. Right, there's yeah. a lot going and, on, and and actually maybe like if I if I do this one, then it will be clear to both the audience and you guys kind of like what has happened and what yeah. Uh, Right. Well, uh, Penny Ithaca, paranormal investigator, and Dusty Zylaria, uh, postdoc. You two have awakened on foreign shores. Penny, you arrived here via 1980, uh, the year 1980, where you were summoned to the greater Pittsburgh area by one Miss Elmira, a uh, sort of creepy old witch who lives on top of a residence hotel in the failing town of McKeesport, south of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, who informed you that there were three young children that she had lost in the 1950s, three young boys who needed to be rescued from Dead Man's Hollow, and sent you there to investigate. Um, Dusty, you arrived in the Hollow from 2015, uh, you were hired by NTI, uh, which is Northern Tier Industries, uh, and they hired you on as a field biologist. You've done a number of uh, field studies for them where you've gone to areas and you've kind of written down every single plant species and animal species that you witnessed uh, and brought it back, done environmental surveys, kind of standard GIS work in the field. And uh, this particular time, they have sent you out to Dead Man's Hollow, south of Pittsburgh, and they weirdly insist you that, that you uh, kind of stay out there, that you actually camp out there and spend time uh, overnight looking for nocturnal animals, the whole deal, you know, full-spectrum analysis of the site. You've brought with you all your Penny Ithaca novels, because you love reading them. Uh, for you, Penny Ithaca is a fictional character who... Uh, is in kind of a Nancy Drew-style series of detective novels where she investigates paranormal activity uh, all across America. And you fall asleep, have strange dreams, and now you two find yourself, uh, yourselves uh, face-to-face in Dead Man's Hollow. Uh, Penny, you've arrived and kind of opened the door of one of three purple shipping containers and found uh, Dr. Dusty uh, as kind of a whole bunch of plants that are acting in coordination as a resemblance of Dr. Dusty. And Dr. Dusty, you've awoken mm, maybe in a dream world to be made out of plants. 
and I think that brings us up to speed. Yeah, did we uh, did we step outside yet? We yeah, haven't. Or are we still in the container? So, uh, you two awake on foreign shores. Uh, Dusty, you're a kind of plant person. Uh, and Penny Ithaca, paranormal investigator, you are a badass woman about town. Uh, here to break ghosts and take names. Uh, and you guys have just stepped out of this shipping container. Uh, and you've both noticed that the sky above you is not the sky of Earth anymore, uh, that, that this place seems to have migrated. But, yeah, look around. Um, can I, uh, can, can, you... can you describe the sky again? A normal, a, a, a civilian would not be able to see this, but you can see it. It is almost as if a camera lens has been put on top of the sky. Uh, and even though it, you can't perceive infinities or whether other infinities are bigger, the understanding, the feeling that you get from the sky is that it is much, much bigger than the regular sky of Earth. Perhaps so vast and big that you can perceive vast, giant walls at the edge of it as if it's an even huger, kind of impossible celestial volume. Uh, it is frightening how vast the sky feels in a way that just isn't true in a place that has, like, a real uh, biosphere like Earth. Can I taste the soil? Other than that, it just uh, looks like kind of, you know, uh, the sky. Okay. Uh, Dr. Dusty, you you uh, you, you want to sample wanna... the bouquet of the, the earth before you? I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to, you know, throw some roots down, as it were, and, and see what's in the soil. Sure. As your roots descend down beneath... Uh, the first couple feet of earth, which aren't earth at all, they're basically busted up pieces of clay pipe. This place has been an industrial yard for a long time, and the true kind of soil and then the bedrock beneath it is, is below all of this waste that's piled up over a hundred years of industrial use. Uh, and beneath that is uh, the Guernsey soils, which consist of deep moderately well-drained and slowly permeable and moderately slowly permeable soils uh, on the sort of sides and uplands of the valley. And they are formed in the residuum of weathered clay, shale, siltstone, and limestone. Uh, you can feel the ghost of uh, perhaps the Dead Man Hollow conservation management plan authors kind of like speaking out from the soil in, in their description here. So I will relay all that... Specifically a, a Appendix 2. <laughs> I will relay all that to Penny Ithaca. Um, are there other cargo containers? There are two more, yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, the soil feels like Earth soil. I mean, if, if though the sky is not the sky, the biology of this place has not shifted in the last ten minutes, nor has it shifted from kind of what you perceive as 2015's reasonable earth biology. 
it is incredibly cool so. as a postdoc to actually feel what the soil tastes like though i have to tell you that the bouquet of this thing i mean it's like it's like you're having a flight of wine and cheese and bourbon all at once right it's like an overwhelmingly pleasant sensation to sort of sample the earth all right i want to take one more bite of earth and then um I'm one oh yeah, take some for the I'm road, gonna, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll just keep a little in my roots, and then uh, I guess I'll turn to Penny and say, "We should look in those. We should look in those containers." The other two containers. And I, yeah, I point a a branch in the direction of the containers. Yeah, I figure, um, we should figure out how you got here, and. Also, I'm looking for three boys, and since we seem to be somewhere strange, we should figure out how I got here, too, but um, um, I guess looking in these containers is our first uh, first step for that, if you agree. Yeah, I think, I think so. That's uh, what you do in all your need, novels. Uh, you always look, look where you started first. Oh, and I re- I relay to him about the boys. Um, sure. Yeah. At some point. Uh, how how much do you reveal about uh, Miss Elmira and kind of the? Uh, well, I guess yeah. Given that he he recognized you as Penny Ithaca, paranormal investigator, he's kind of already in the. Um... Oh yeah, he was reading this book that I was in, so I don't need to relay too much. Right. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. He, I mean, he I didn't know. I didn't the, know that though. But he knew that. Yeah. Right. Right. He he was in fact part of the audience for the initial. Yes. Okay. I was just making sure we're on the same page for info. Um, quite literally so, Miss Penny Ithaca. Quite literally so. Um. Yeah. Um. So of the three containers, what are the other two? The easiest container to take a look at is, of course, the one that's already open. The first one, uh, the one that uh, Dr. Dusty, you woke up in, and Penny, you opened up. So let's go search that container. Sure. Uh, well, what you find in that container makes a little bit more sense to Dr. Dusty than it does to uh, Miss Penny, a like paranormal investigator, uh, in that it seems to be the kind of clinic in a can uh sort of ludicrous and maybe too expensive per square foot mobile laboratory inside of a shipping container that you have seen uh in the kind of years where private biopharmaceutical companies want to actually have their labs in the jungle and it's just easy to build a lab and have it shipped to the jungle uh, this is kind of like a technology that entered the world in the 2000s uh, to actually put these things in shipping containers. Uh, and so, Penny, you recognize the form of the thing, but that there's a lab in here is like some futuristic crap. Uh, the computers that are in there also feel futuristic to you, Penny, uh, to you, uh, Dr. Dusty. They're contemporaneous-ish. Uh, and what you guys find is uh, a small laboratory that had uh, kind of a chair for a patient uh, and some uh, medical furniture adjacent to that that 
would have been like a doctor station for working on that patient in some way. Uh, and then a series of shelves and uh, portable small units that are like incubators and things that maintain heat and things that maintain water vapor. And you find the remnants of what must have been a couple of hundred of small plant specimens which have been grown hydroponically. Uh, that entire kit looks like it was thoroughly used and like all the biological materials gone. I think we can guess uh, where the plants that were here went. Yeah, I think I'm them. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty kind of accurate feeling. And definitely, as a biologist, you can regard your own self and, and see that there are um, many taxonomies reflected in the sort of underlying genotypes of what uh, your plant body is like. All right, let's go look at we the should other see, ones. We should see if there's any... Oh, wait. Oh, can should we... we look in here more? We should see if there's Sorry. any... T- do we see any tools here that wouldn't make sense for a mobile laboratory? You do. In fact, you do. On the sort of countertop level set of shelves uh, where there's... Um, uh, Dr. Dusty, you're going to have to help me with the formal names for these scientific instruments. I'm going to give you goofy titles and you're going to tell me the real ones. Uh, it's a box that spins samples really fast. Centrifuge. You got a centrifuge. All right. There is uh, something that basically is kind of like an oven, but it's for uh, like bacterial agar gel sample things, and it incubates and cooks them for an appropriate specific temperature that you type through. Uh, yeah, that's an inc- that you. I think you can just call that an incubator. Okay, a bacterial incubator. Uh, there is a lacquered rosewood box painted a deep, deep, deep purple that has elaborate runes all over it. And then next to that, there is a blood um, dialysis machine. And next to that, there is uh, the box that you put electricity into that does the DNA test running where like the test strands kind of move through the gel plate. Yeah. Um, PCR? That one. Yeah. 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 Oh. Uh, right. So out of all of those things, certainly the, the lacquered rosewood box that's a rich imperial purple seems, uh, not like a modern scientific instrument. What do you think about this box? Uh, okay, well, both of you roll occult mystery checks. Penny, you oh. are bringing your own knowledge as Penny, a paranormal investigator. This means that uh, kind of any amount of Americana or, like, uh, Hot Topic Wicca or 1960s pseudoscience that you want uh, can be the, 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 the reasons why you're able to understand what's going on or, like, the ways in which you're able to question me. Uh, so all of those powers are available to so. you as a spooky witch. Uh, Dr. Dusty, 
Uh, you are a deep student of the genre and have read all of the Penny Ithaca books, and so your knowledge of the occult completely comes from having read ahead, if you understand what I mean. All right. So you can talk about things that Penny has learned about in the future, but, like, there's some drama with trying to do that, obviously. Okay. Because this is, like, book seven, right? Right. Or 17 out of, like, the 87 published Penny Ithaca novels, not to mention all the fanzines, and, like, there's a lot of different canons to draw from, and, like, the company that made them had a whole bunch of different authors writing under pseudonyms, and, like, we can go deep on how many different Penny Ithaca canons, yeah. So, so Penny Ithaca's occult knowledge is basically about, like, mine, or it's better than mine. I feel like it should be better than mine. Oh, I think it's better than yours, and it's it's better than yours in that you can kind of start to drop a reference to how occult stuff would be learned in a movie or video game, and I'll just roll with it, because I'm sure I've seen it, and just tell you, like, your evil powers of devil summoning have informed you that, like, the water uh, rights to this district are not owned by the state they're owned by uh, a private individual or whatever uh, okay well i guess i'll roll and we'll figure that out yeah Ooh. okay what'd you roll <laughs> i got a three i got a All two right. dr dusty i got a two. Oh my god <laughs> um well so I have no idea what this is or what any of these markings mean. Yeah, this is not something that was in the books ever. Maybe you haven't read enough Penny Ithaca and you're not the fan you thought you were, Dr. Dusty. Uh, and Penny, you're just stumped. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't look like it's locked. I mean, like from the perspective of a normal human, it seems like it's just a very expensive box. Um, it might be dangerous. So, if we don't want to open it now, we could just take it with us. And I look over at Penny Ithaca. Or we could open it now. I look over at Penny Ithaca and say, stand back, and I open it. Sure. Uh, So you kind of, like, extend your your plant arm to be a little longer than it needs to be, and uh, kind of flick the box open. And the box flicks open, and nothing happens. Uh, Nothing bad happens. It's just a very fancy box. And in the box, there's like a cushion, cloth cushion, also purple. And on that cloth cushion, there are two blue pebbles, deep, deep blue pebbles. Uh, And now you guys can roll uh, Mystic Knowledge checks again. Six. Or... Oh my gosh. Well, um, you aren't sure what they are. Uh, what are our what are our bonuses? Did we decide? Oh, um, no. I guess we haven't decided. Uh, but the, the, I'm just assuming yeah. that four is too low. No, those rolls are too low. Um, I think if you rolled like a ten, just because you're Penny Ithaca, that would be fine. I don't know. I guess if you want to, like, pause and just, like, really try to, like, scratch your brains on this thing or, like, poke and prod at it and, 
like spend some time, you can do another check. Uh, or you can just grab them, or you can just leave them, or it's up to you guys. What color did you say they were? Deep, deep blue. Is there anything else deep blue around? No, no. This is kind of the first time you've ever encountered that color. Well, should we each take one? Let's do it. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, so I pocket one. All right. Um, as each of you grab each one of the stones, um, you feel a little surge uh, of energy uh, sort of between the just where there's like skin to skin contact or skin to stone contact in this case or plant to stone contact mm-hmm. and it feels like that same kind of uh the way that you uh the way that penny you could feel uh kind of magic radiating down from the sky that wasn't the sky as kind of a different purple sunlight and dr dusty you can feel that purple sunlight directly because it's like you're you're not photosynthesizing it here. Uh, cyanosynthesizing it, porophyrosynthesizing it, and it's that same kind of energy that, uh, or at least it's that same kind of sunlight feeling, but maybe a sort of more warmer, more concentrated form of it. I guess what you would interpret as kind of etheric power, uh, aether, like the a, the a, the a. Uh, but there's no it doesn't you, you don't feel mystically different you just like uh, it, definitely these stones are etheric in some way they have some power to them well should we go look at the other <laughs> at the other containers yeah uh, yeah let's do that maybe maybe then we'll have some answers about these um, weird rocks so far, you guys have spent probably about half an hour going through this particular container, uh, just because you were pretty thorough about trying to match. Like, you've never met each other before, and it just like this initial investigation also had a lot of little uh, kind of like getting to know you. Thoroughness talk. is in my nature. What? Yeah, thoroughness is in your guys' nature. This is why naturally the Apollo has paired you two together, perhaps. Yeah. So two containers remain, and it's probably about two or three p.m. I don't remember what season it is. Oh, wait. It's two different seasons, because it's... <laughs> right. You feel like it's about 2 p.m., but, you know, the sky is not the sky, so we don't even need to think about the weather. And there's two containers left. I guess the one on uh, the left and the one on the right. So, are they locked similarly to the first one, or is it different? Uh, they're locked similarly to the first one, uh... They, they just have kind of a, a padlock locked for inventory purposes, not necessarily for, um, like, because these things were going to be abandoned for a long time. It's because this was, like, a work site that they lock up at night. Okay. I mean, I guess I bust open the near one the same way I did the other one. That container, take the lock off, pull the door, door opens up. It looks like this thing is the length of the container, so it's 20 feet long. And at the far end, it goes all the way up to the ceiling. It's it's this big, kind of bulbous thing. Uh, it's about 8 feet high. And 
it comes towards you, and there are features on it uh, that are each maybe about the size of a watermelon uh, that are advancing linearly along one edge of this kind of big uh, teardrop-shaped thing. Uh, if you could each roll a biology check. Uh, Dr. Dusty, you're going to get a plus 10 bonus on this because this is like literally your job. Uh, and uh, Penny, you're going to get a plus 3 bonus on this because of the kind of overlap skills between uh, herbology and uh, like actual botany and biology. Mm-hmm. So 18 plus 10, 28. Mm-hmm. 5 plus 3, 8. Dr. Dusty, you recognize this as a massive, massive jawbone of a white-tailed deer. But not a white-tailed deer that could even exist on Earth. This is a the jawbone of a white-tailed deer that, that must be 150 feet tall. Uh, it, it, like, couldn't... Something this big, like, the dinosaurs didn't have bones this big. This jawbone is reflective of a, a skull that would be the size of, like, a, a commercial building with apartments above it. Can I take out my stone and see if it does anything to this skull? So, when you take out the stone and you open your hand and you have the stone in the palm of your hand in the plane above the palm of your hand where there's a direct line between the stone the edge of one of the stone's kind of outer surfaces and the surface of the giant jaw bone essentially if this blue stone was casting blue light out of it that stopped at your hand but continued through open air uh, in those places where that connection can be made uh, you start to see something that looks maybe like writing maybe like just cracks in the bone uh, that is flaring the kind of awful purple beyond purple color that uh, it typifies uh, etheric power. All right, I guess I want to sort of. And Penny, you can perceive this uh, this this flaring as well. Uh, both of these stones are essentially like little little candles that reveal spooky runes and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Oh. Oh wow. I pull out mine too. Sure. Uh, so now that you guys have two candles. Uh, or two of these stones, there's even more. The the, the flaring becomes even stronger. Uh, and it's, uh, it's... It's not as if uh, there's any kind of damage happening. It's, it's, it's more like uh, somewhere between phosphorescence and maybe like a chemical reaction where there's just a little bit of off-gassing uh, because of some interaction that's happening with the photons. Um. You say it looks like writing? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, uh, the, 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 there's a fair amount of these flaring purple lines that might be just natural cracks in the bone structure, but yeah, it definitely, you know, looks at least from a distance like some kind of purposeful. Yeah, I want to 
I want to take a closer look at those scratches. Sure. Um, so you step into the container, and um, Dr. Dusty, do you, what, what, what do you do? I'm going to follow her in. Okay. Uh, so you guys both kind of go into the container to start looking more closely at the jawbone. Um, as you do, and, and you bring the, the two seeing stones closer, the writing gets a lot more clear. This jawbone definitely is covered with all kinds of strange alchemical symbols, everything from uh, kind of the Greek and Latin uh, classical alchemical symbols of the Western world to Buddhist writing that's in Sanskrit and some of it's in like ancient Chinese and some of it's in like really, really early written dialects of the southeast indies writing from all over the world no kind of like creepy alien you know geometric hieroglyphics all of it is kind of like stuff that you recognize from occult stuff i guess roll uh another occult check to kind of see if you recognize anything that's going on both of you guys can 12 got an 11 whoa the one thing that you guys see... Hold on, I have to go grab, actually, like, a research book. I'll be right back. Okay, day. There are a lot of different symbols going on on this uh, jawbone. And many of them appear to be symbols of binding and containment. Uh, some of them appear to be symbols that represent motion and locomotion. And the the symbol that it takes a while because it doesn't appear to be kind of the most important one on there, but which the astute occult eye discerns is, is in fact the, 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 the principal symbol on this jaw. It begins at the base of the jaw, at the very back of it, uh, there's a spiral. And then the spiral becomes kind of a wavy line that goes all the way down the length of the jaw, and it ends in a kind of horned triangle at the end of it. And then beyond that, there's an ovular shape, and that's what it is. It's a spiral that comes out to become a wavy line that opens up to become kind of a delta. I look at Penny Ithaca and I say... Do you remember your case at the museum? Isn't this the sim- a symbol you've seen before? Um, do, do I remember that? <laughs> well, yeah, the museum uh, Dr. Dusty's talking about is the Chicago Fields Museum. Oh, okay. It is there. Where Emily Grassley works. Right. Well, yeah, describe kind of um, uh, what your occult adventures in Chicago were like. I mean, I'll tell you exactly what you found at the museum about this symbol, but but why were you even in Chicago, Penny? I guess either of you guys can talk about uh, this particular adventure since, uh, Dr. Dust, you've read the book. Uh, you know, she was called there by a mysterious benefactor, and uh, she didn't... There's There were just uh, lots of strange goings-on at the museum, almost sort of night at the museum style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they called in Penny Ithaca to try and figure out what was causing it. 
um, it turned out that there was a, a sarcophagus with all sorts of occult symbols on it um, that needed to be dealt with. So that's like literally the plot of Night at the Museum, right? But uh, no, uh, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's not there yet. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt can still show up. <laughs> right, Owen Wilson's not okay. in it. Like, there's a whole bunch of casting okay, okay. that we haven't done yet. It could be more like uh, yeah. it could be more like the relic. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I what I eh? yeah eh? what I mean is that there were there were things moving. They were potentially coming alive. Maybe not for comedic effect. We don't know yet. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to trying to see how creative I can get with this. I'm not sure if I can. Sure. Um, we can talk about the true villain of the of, of the incident in Chicago, which I believe was called a multi mummy. So that's where I saw saw, saw this symbol before was on this uh, in the Chicago on the sarcophagus specifically. W- what was happening was that there was one bad actor purloining different magics from different parts of the museum in order to try to Mm. preserve her own life and at this when encountered by Penny Ithaca she did not succeed at having an everlasting after after ab ab life uh, of course. Yeah. Um, but yes, this specific symbol was one of the purloined symbols that this, uh, well, privileged white bitch stole from the other uh, areas of the museum. This specifically is the Great Serpent of Adams County in Ohio, which is a huge Neolithic mound uh, that was created by a people of the distant past uh, and which... Uh, represents a, a vast snake with some sort of ovular disc at the front of it. Uh, whether that's an egg or a ceremonial platform is is absolutely lost to history uh, and time. Uh, but uh, certainly the, the, the notion of kind of a vast uh, serpent uh, that is a part of the land and built of the land is is a symbol that uh is a symbol of great power and it's one that was carved into this uh chicago sarcophagus and it also has been carved into this this jawbone here of this uh massive white-tailed deer okay what'd you call it the great serpent of adams county ohio This looks just like the Great Serpent of Adams County, Ohio. Oh, I remember. That's uh, that's book four. Hmm. Um, if you say so. I probably so, shouldn't talk about your life in terms of books, but that's how I know it. It's fine. Um. Anyway, what's it doing here? I don't know. Should we should we try and pull it out? Of the container? Um, it looks kind of big. That's true. Um, well. How strong are you, though? I, I think, I'm wondering, I think I might be able to root myself in the ground and then pull it out. We could try it. Okay. Sure. Uh, I guess, um, 
roll a strength check, uh, Dr. Dusty, and uh, Penny, the paranormal investigator, uh, roll to assist with a plus three bonus, because you're really helpful, just generally, as a person. This is part of the power of an investigator who's personable, right? This is like the... The, 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 the true bonus is the flat plus three bonus to being helpful. 14. Ran, uh, random.org random.org really hates me today. Uh, I got a three plus three, so six. Well, uh, a 14, uh, Dr. Dusty, with, with your plus six strength bonus, uh, because you were uh, kind of t- stronger than an, a human strong man could be, though probably not more than double that. 800 pound dry jawbones from old deer sure uh, a forklift you and it would wrestle uh, but yeah uh, this is like an 800 pound jawbone uh, it's pretty dry and desiccated uh, so even though it's it's you know made out of pure deer bone and it's huge uh, yeah you, you, your big plant body and its strong arms can absolutely kind of yank the thing out of there especially when uh, Penny Ithaca Paranormal Investigator notes that uh, you can stand outside the container and root yourself actually into the ground ground Hmm. to do so. Um. So, do you guys pull the jawbone kind of out of the container? Yeah. Yeah. As you are pulling the jawbone out of the container, all of the lines that were flaring because the two seeing stones were kind of at hand uh, begin to flare just under the the sort of general etheric light that is coming from the sky that is not the sky Uh, and so now even if you just put the seeing stones in your pockets uh, all the places that kind of uh, the natural light of the area is landing on this jawbone uh those symbols are glowing including this great snake the great serpent symbol does that mean we can now get a better view at any of it or is it about the same really uh, it's about the same really the 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 seeing stones though they are small are uh mighty in their power apparently and and we're able to quite precisely though not quite as sort of luminously uh, show you where all of these different runic lines were. Was there anything behind it in the container or not? So the container's empty? This was the only thing that was in the container. Uh, It it was essentially strapped down. Um, Maybe there's something in the other container. uh, Though removing the straps was kind of incidental to just like moving it. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh... Should we go to the other container and see if there's something to do something to this jawbone with? I guess so. It's now getting to be about uh, 5 p.m. or so. Uh, Mm. As you guys explore this third container, uh, it will definitely kind of fade from day into twilight and night. Um, So, uh, I guess be aware of time. Okay. Um. That said, though, Dr. Dusty, uh, I mean, you've, like, camped outside overnight thousands of times. It's like a 
favorite pastime of yours. So the thought of kind of like overnighting it in weird Pennsylvania woods when the temperature's in like the low 70s is like, okay, whatever, fine, sure. Um, and Penny, like you've literally spent a night sleeping in hell. So like actual, hmm. it was in book 16. Uh, you might not uh, have gotten there yet. So but, it hasn't happened uh, yet, but... Yeah, but th- this isn't going to be your worst night of sleep, and it hasn't been so far. If you were to just kind of, like, uh, build a big pile of leaves and sleep on top of it, or whatever, however you want to sleep in the woods. Yeah, I think I'm just going to nestle up uh, in the jawbone. Right, you are kind of like a big plant. You can just kind of, like, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so let's let's open the third one and then uh, and then see. Right, yeah, yeah, and and certainly between kind of the lab and the jawbone and your ability to move the jawbone around, and given that these containers are all kind of proximate to each other, uh, yeah, you already got kind of like a third of a camp started just by having all this heavy stuff around you to kind of keep you uh, out of sight lines and, and in a relatively enclosed spot. Uh, yeah, so third container. So, sorry, sorry, we're being so thorough, Connor. No, no, it's great. I mean, like, I had kind of prepared for things that were not you guys looking through these two containers, but like, <laughs> uh, I'm actually kind of happy that you're just. Uh, it's good. You're really adventuring novel in this. It's quite nice. Uh, yeah, like I think we really. It, it's clear from the last hour of recording that we're all on kind of the same genre wavelength. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. I like halfway feel like I'm like playing Myst, except that the puzzles aren't like literally math puzzles, you know? Good. Uh, that's That should be part of the feeling too, because I think a lot of this... Yeah, I guess a lot of where I'm, what I am bringing to Dead Man's Hollow is honestly playing adventure games by myself as like a teenager. Um, yeah. So, so, so. I, I, I am thinking, like, make sure to click everything on the screen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we can't. I would. I don't think we could leave a container unopened. That would be exactly, exactly. How are we? We can't leave a container unopened unless we were planning to come back to it. But yeah. So let's pop open this container before it gets dark, darker. All right. Uh, well, you pop open the container. The container is almost 100% full. And it is full of just absolutely busted up pieces of broken clay. Hmm. It's clay that's been fired. It clearly has kind of shapes and forms. It was cast, right? What you're looking at is like a couple hundred human-sized statues which have been smashed and thrown into a container. Mm. I don't love this. Can we? Can I use my seeing stone just to see if there's anything on these clay things? I was thinking the same thing. Sure. You guys take out your seeing stones? Yes. Yep. On... The interior surfaces of these broken pieces of human statuary, where the sort of hollow inside of the statue would have been, 
on some of the pieces, maybe about 5% out of this, out of what you can see, just that was right next to the doors, you can see a, a similar kind of bluish, purplish flaring. Uh, there's some kind of material that's coating those interiors. Not on every piece, but on some of them. Uh, I guess if you want to examine more, uh, you can, like, kind of step up into the container to try to look at these pieces and, uh, and roll, uh, some occult checks. Uh, I guess you could also kind of perturb the pile and cause some of the, cause it to, like, avalanche out, and then you just access the pieces without entering the container. Let's try and not go in the container. Yeah. Can we, uh, can we throw a rock at it? <laughs> is that, is that something we can do? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, try to yeah, make a piece fall out? plenty of rocks and stuff of different sizes. So, yeah, but between Penny, your, uh, kind of fine motor skills, and Dr. Dusty, the fact that you're, like, a giant plant creature, uh, or a very strong plant creature, man, uh, yeah, you guys fling some rocks and small boulders and stuff, and this big pile of pieces of clay statuary, uh, starts to kind of avalanche and, and fall out of the container. Yeah, go ahead and roll your occult checks. Eight. Nineteen. I haven't oh. had a single I haven't had a single roll above eleven today, have I? That's terrible. Yeah, uh, the, the the dice gods don't don't love you right now. You gotta propitiate differently, Miss Penny. Apparently. Whatever. <laughs> Well, um, Dusty, perhaps you can, or Dr. Dusty, sorry, I don't want to take away your many years of schooling. <laughs> sorry, that's like an actual joke, isn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Like upon your real so person. <laughs> I was mostly silent because I wasn't, I was like, I actually, it doesn't matter to me too much. And I was like, oh wait, he's talking about in the game. <laughs> Oh, for those listening at home, uh, the resident uh, plant person in the game is in fact a, a real-life biologist, so it's, it's, it's better. It's good. Uh, it's a double joke. Where Oh, you rolled incredibly well. Right, that's where we were. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Dusty, uh, please enlighten us as to... This was your favorite Penny Ithaca story growing up. This was from book two, and this was amazing mental prowess possibly because she was possessed uh, possibly because she's just like super academic uh and did like a hero's journey in a library do you recall this book i do um i think most of the action actually happened in the basement of the library but yeah, she, she she tracked down all the clues throughout the library. And then, as I recall, she had to uh, break the floor to get down into the basement. And uh, there were a huge number of um, clay containers down there that she had to, to find an artifact in. So she was uh, destroying clay containers. 
it is those very clay containers which once contained liquids in them, uh, which is to say amphorae, and related to those barrels and other kind of storage vessels, uh, where uh, you know from reading the Penny Ithaca books, and Penny, you remember because book two happened in your own life a while ago, uh, you recognize the stuff that's kind of on the inside of these broken clay men as something like like baker's yeast or like the kind of mold that grows on bourbon barrels this is this is some kind of uh lichen or fungus or like a combination of a fungus and a bacteria which is what most lichen are uh but some kind of living ecosystem that that is growing on the inside of these things because they were holding a liquid that that thing was kind of eating and then growing on the inside of the stuff. This film or residue, this biofilm that's on the interior of each of these clay pieces, that's what's actually flaring and giving off light from the seeing stones looking at it. And you can almost detect some some movement there, right? As if under the under the etheric light of the seeing stones, uh, the bacteria or fungi or whatever that was growing on the inside of these clay men, this mold is is kind of growing in there. This lichen is expanding and um, changing in this etheric light. And in fact, all of the pieces. Uh, of these clay men which have fallen out into the sunshine are also the that lichen is starting to grow as well what do you guys do I want to taste the um, lichen oh no oh no I stand back oh um roll a constitution check 17. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. Wow. So, what happens here is that you have absolutely just poisoned yourself. And it's clear from the moment that the purple lichen kind of touches your plant tongue, uh, which is made out of actually lamb's tongue, not quite literally. But you're strong, and... You ingest the poison, and you transform it into yourself. Uh, that takes probably about 30 seconds. It's really horrifying. Uh, your chlorophyll kind of, like, drains in splotchy, weird ways from different parts of you. Some parts of you seem to wither and then come back. It, it really seems like there's a, a, a very internal kind of ecological terrorism occurring inside your body. Uh, and that whatever this lichen is, it's a swift and dangerous little thing. Are you are you okay? I I wouldn't eat that. I feel okay now though. I wasn't planning on it, but uh geez, be careful. Penny Did you learn anything about it? <laughs> Yeah, is there anything I can detect from um, tasting the poison before it poisons me? <laughs> tasting the lichens before it poisons me? It's like trying to describe the difference between 
Oh, eating a whole bunch of different kinds of really gross-tasting grasses, you know? Like, it's not a pleasant series of differences in taste, but you, you can tell that just by kind of smell and taste and just, like, scent association, uh, that there must be five or maybe six or seven different bouquets amongst all the different clay pieces that are just kind of around uh it's really clear that actually like as an edible thing in terms of texture and smell uh that there's a bunch of different kinds of lichens growing uh inside of these different broken clay creatures if you want to right one of your key powers is as a a cult detective is, is being able to sort of open yourself to clairvoyance to to uh, voices from beyond this sort of thing mm-hmm. um, would now be a good time here kind of the twilight in Dead Man's Hollow to allow yourself this larger sense of empathy maybe Okay, so um, so what am what am I rolling? Hmm, I guess kind of uh, mystical mystical clairvoyance roll. Sure. You get a plus six bonus because it's like a thing that thing a paranormal investigator's I, good at. I do not want to tell you what just happened. What'd you roll? Um, uh, I rolled a one. Oh. Um. Oh. So that's... critical failure. And with with magic, I mean, this is the thing with magic. A critical failure is always consequential. I'm 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 going I'm I'm gonna roll a bunch of rolls and see if I get any good numbers or see if this website is broken. Yeah, go ahead and go go ahead and roll. Kind of just give me three more three three more d twenty rolls. Four, twenty, and four. And then give me two more rolls. 12, 19. Okay, so the website isn't broken. I've just been having horrible luck. Yeah, that's okay. So, uh, five things occur in a row to you. And preceding those five mystical mental flashes that you receive, and to some extent, Dr. Dusty, you also receive, because this is like a weird spooky event that's occurring um penny i think you your eyes roll into the back of your head you feel your shoulders lift you like a inch or two off the ground you are suffused with purple energy that kind of floats you up there in a way that you just like don't have control over you recognize this as like you're being possessed by some great forces. Uh, this is sometimes what happens when you roll a one on like a magical check, is that things go very wrong. And you feel five of these lichen entities kind of take over your form in quick succession. Hold on, let me pull this up. Do you have your numbers again, what you rolled? Um, no, but I remember what I said. I said... 4, 20, 20, 4, 4, 12, 19. Okay, cool. The first entity that takes you over 
feels young and small, like he is maybe the youngest of those present. The second enemy, you don't understand anything about this entity because when it sort of goes through you uh, and possesses you briefly, uh, it does so overwhelmingly so. And uh, so you get no kind of understanding of it. Uh, the third entity, uh, well, as it kind of courses through you, you are left with kind of an after sensation of a lot of kind of discord and, and spiciness and strongly held opinions, uh, but also a deep, deep love. Um, as the fourth entity courses through you, it completely overwhelms all of your senses. You get no understanding at all. But Dr. Dusty, you hear something very clearly, and you feel the pebble in your palm violently move uh, towards Penny. Um, it's still contained, like, in your hand, uh, and it's not enough that you, like, lose control of the pebble, uh, but, like, it definitely sort of makes a move to head towards Penny, because Penny, in a deep male voice that is not her own, but the voice of something controlling her, says, Give me back my eyes! Oh, jeez. Hmm. And then the fifth and final entity, very briefly, possesses Penny and looks around and says, Oh, I guess I'm in Dead Man's Hollow. It sounds just like me. This has been Dead Man's Hollow, starring Penny and Dustin. 